It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Hello and welcome to Out of Office, a podcast about life and leadership. I'm your host, Malika Kapoor. Usually, as some of you know, I bring you a conversation I've recorded with the newsmaker who's spoken at a Bloomberg Live Summit, and we talk about things that don't come up on stage, the personal stuff, mentors, family, faith, and love. Over the next few weeks, we're reaching out to leaders who are actively addressing the coronavirus pandemic, which has created extraordinary demands in their work. We discuss how they're responding to the challenges, how they're protecting their employees, keeping their communities calm, what their contingency plans are, how they're leading in a crisis. Our guest today is the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez. Residents and employees, I was informed that I have tested positive for COVID-19. That's right, Suarez has a virus himself and is self-isolating. Like many of us, he too is working from home and he's been posting daily videos to update folks on how he's doing and what they should do to stay safe. Hey guys, I'm on day six of my video diary, day seven, that I know for sure I was infected with coronavirus. Today I feel very good. Um, I slept a lot better and a lot more than I have the last few days. Um, But you know, we have to be very vigilant and careful, not just um, not just for ourselves, but for our family, and particularly for the elderly in our community. My fourth uh, that we're diary entry, uh, fifth day since uh, that I know for sure that I have the coronavirus, fourth day since being diagnosed. Uh, I feel good. Uh, I feel a slight congestion, um, uh, no fever, no coughing, no body aches. It's been more than two weeks since he was infected now, and Mayor Francis Suarez joins me now from his home in Miami. So, Mayor Suarez, thank you so much for joining us on Out of Office. Thank you for having me. And first of all, how are you feeling? I feel surprisingly well. I'm very lucky. Um, I've gotten, you know, I'm in that category of people that have gotten very mild symptoms. I have actually not gotten a fever. Um, I have not uh, had a a severe cough. Um, Essentially, all I've had, the worst symptoms have been congestion. Um, Mm -hmm. My temperature went up to about 99 degrees Fahrenheit, which is not very high. Um, and some aches, which I just, uh, 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 you know, took Tylenol for and was able to, to overcome. So I've been very fortunate. Uh, I was headed to get out of the protocol yesterday because I've been 14 days uh, in quarantine. And unfortunately, I took a test and I'm still positive. So, oh, you still are after 14 days. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So I'm, I'm here, going to be here for a little longer. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yes. But, you know, you raise a good point because you said you were asymptomatic earlier, but you still took the test. Right. And that is important. People have to realize that even though they don't have symptoms or they aren't really sick, like you haven't been really sick, but you could still be a carrier. 
Exactly. And, and just, just because I didn't get really sick doesn't mean that other people aren't getting really sick. I mean, uh, the stories of, of the, the variation of the sickness are all the way from asymptomatic like mine, all the way to yeah. people who are being obviously hospitalized with severe respiratory uh, issues. So, you know, this is not something that we should take lightly in the city. Um, we've shut down essentially beaches. We've shut down uh, uh, parks. We've, we've, we've shut down all non-essential businesses. And uh, we're asking people to stay at home. So what are the doctors saying to you now if you're still positive two weeks later? What, what, are, they, what are they saying? You know, again, there's no, there's no rule book uh, for this. Uh, right. what, they're, they, what they're saying is the viral load is low in the sample, but it's still present. And so, you know, I, I just can't leave because if I left, I will be exposing potentially other people. So they're going to retest me at the end of this week. And hopefully at that point, I have to test negative twice in a row uh, before in a, tw- in a 24-hour period before I can, I can be cleared uh, based on the CDC protocols. So you've been in self-isolation now for two weeks. How's that been? You know, I'm, I'm blessed, obviously. You know, I, I, I live in a, in, in a beautiful home. My, my wife, and, and it's been hard for my wife and my two children. I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old, and it's been hard not seeing mm-hmm. them. And it's obviously... They've gone to stay with family, is that right, while you're at home? They're with my in-laws and uh, they've been great in, in supporting us and helping us throughout this time. And, uh, you know, my wife uh, has been a, a major trooper being teacher now, you know, because now everybody's uh-huh. uh, schooling from home and, and just taking care. I have two kids. It's not that easy. It's full on. It is not easy at all. And, uh, you know, especially when you're not home and you're not comfortable, you know, she has yes. to be somewhere... Uh, where she's not comfortable. And so she's really um, taking, bearing the brunt of this, if you will, right now. I know, because it's different. You ha- and It's different when you're in your own, own uh, home environment. It makes it much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But again, social distancing is very important, isn't it? Well, yeah. What we're telling people is we're telling them to stay home and we're telling spring breakers to go home. And what we're saying is if, if you need to go outside for leisure, uh, ride a bike or walk or, or, or walking your dog, then we're asking people to respect a minimum of six feet of social distancing. Um, we feel that if we as a community are disciplined and we, um, and we are able to follow the rules, that we can uh, you know, reverse the curve, the growth curves, as quickly as possible. You want to flatten the curve. But in a city like Miami, that's got to be hard. I mean, Miami is known for being the social capital of the world. Not only are we the social capital of the world, but we uh, bring in a tremendous amount of visitors uh, to yeah. the city. And so one of the things that I did early on and, and was criticized for it was I canceled two major uh, festivals. One of them was Ultra, which yes. had, you know, 150,000 people coming from 105 different countries. And the other one was Cayocho, which had 250,000 people uh, congregating in a one block area. Uh, those decisions at the time were criticized as being premature. Uh, other city leaders went out and said, no, we're open for business. We don't want to send the wrong signal. And unfortunately, people listened and came here and uh, started partying on our beaches and and things Mm -hmm. got out of control very quickly. Now, you've been able to be tested, uh, not once, but twice, as you've just told us. But for a lot of people who want to get tested, they say that there just aren't enough testing kits available or testing facilities. Does Miami have enough tests? Does Miami have enough hospital beds? So two questions are both important questions. The first is, do we have enough tests? We just started today. Uh, testing uh, elderly in our community, which we know are the most vulnerable population. We just got about 2,000 kids to test 
uh, elderly, uh, the elderly in our community that are symptomatic. We have the largest elderly population in Dade County. Um, we should be starting hopefully by Wednesday, uh, by tomorrow, uh, in-car testing uh, at uh, Marlins Park. And we're doing that in combination with the National Guard, uh, our county and our county hospital. And so that should be that should start tomorrow. What I do want people to understand is there's a lot of um, anxiety about testing or being tested or not having the ability to be tested. Being tested is important uh, for for two reasons. Right. The first is uh, probably most important is is to understand how many people actually have this. Right. So, number Mm -hmm. one. Uh, the fact that I was asymptomatic and I got tested and I was only the second person in Dade County, a population of 3 million people that uh, that tested positive, to me indicates that there's far more people that are positive that just don't know it. That the mayor, you know, just coincidentally is the second person infected uh, in Dade County. That's just hard to believe. For us to, to really get a true picture as to how, uh, you know, how deadly the virus is and how uh, we can get control of it in terms of the isolation protocols that are necessary, we need to know the true number. Uh, having said that, part of the reason why I'm diaring and doing so many interviews is to demystify what happens if you are uh, positive. You know, if you do take a mm-hmm. test, there's only two things that are going to happen. You're either going to be positive or you're going to be negative. If you're positive, mm-hmm. there's no need to panic. Um, obviously, most likely you'll be told to go home, um, to self-isolate. And, and to drink plenty of fluids and treat it as if you were going to develop a cold or a flu. Um, obviously, if you have respiratory issues, you need to go to the hospital. If you're negative, you really shouldn't get too excited either because you can be negative and an hour later come into contact with someone who is positive and contract it. So, you know, right. what we don't want people to do is take the test and think that, oh, negative means I can't get it and positive means I have it. That's not what negative means and that's not what positive means. You know, positive means, you know, you have to take care of yourself. You're not going immediately to the hospital. You're not going immediately, um, you know, uh, to some critical situation. And negative doesn't mean you're immune. You know what I mean? I'm Superman. I get to do whatever I want. And so so that's the answer to the first question. The second question is, are our hospitals ready? One of the big issues with this, what people don't understand is the mortality rates go up significantly when hospitals are overwhelmed. If you look at Italy, if you look at Iran, if you look at what's happening in New York, the, the, the real, real concern here is the overwhelming of our hospitals, of our first responders, of our... So I break that down into two parts. So it, from the city's perspective, we started acquiring supplies in late January when this started happening. Uh, so we okay. have personal protective equipment for our firefighters. We have the ability to decontaminate our fire trucks because what we don't want to do is uh, spread the virus uh, ourselves, Right. Um, so right. we have changed our 911 protocols so that we have a better sense of who we're uh, potentially helping and, and whether or not they're being infected. And when we come into contact with those people, we will be coming into contact with them with per- personal protective equipment. When they are transported on our vehicles, those vehicles will go out of service. They'll be decontaminated before they get brought back into service. So we have a very extensive protocol for that. In terms of our hospitals, There are many hospitals, or I should say at least a couple of hospitals, that are running very low right now on personal protective equipment supplies. And so we are concerned that if people don't heed the warnings, that's where the big issue can can happen. Uh, If we have a flood of people going to ICU, you know, and we don't have enough ventilators, we don't have enough hospital beds, et cetera, that's where the issue can can, can occur. I think our hospitals are fairly well prepared, um, and I say fairly well prepared because I don't know how anybody can be totally prepared for something of this magnitude, sure. but I think, yeah. but I think we are fairly well prepared. I give us 
you know, a B um, in terms of preparedness uh, because there are hospitals that have overflow hospitals already. And uh, we are, we do see a couple of hospitals that are running very low on particularly the N95 masks. You know success when you see it, or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Now, you've taken this unusual step of posting video diaries, um, and I've been watching a lot of them. You've been very open, very transparent, but this is a pretty unusual step for a mayor to take. So what was the thinking behind that? Well, the thinking behind it was, since I was the second person that tested positive in Dade County, I immediately became the face of it. Yeah, you have become the face of the virus. I'm sorry, I don't mean it to sound like that, but you are the face of the virus. It's funny, and I'll tell you a little funny story. When when I got tested, I assumed, just like I assumed when I got tested yesterday, that I was going to be negative. I mean, I think the assumption is when you take the test, I feel healthy, I'm going to be negative. And when I got the phone call the next day that I was positive, I said to them, are you sure? Because... <laughs> oh, I can imagine, sure. Uh, you know, you were stunned. To be sure, because... W- this is going to set off a chain reaction of things that are going to be like out of control. And so they said, yes, we're sure. Uh, and even two days in, when I was fairly symptomatic, I asked them to send me the paperwork because... You wanted to be three times sure. But, uh, you know, I, I decided that, and it was a risk. And, and, and there was a couple of moments in the process where I wondered if I had made a mistake that I wanted to do this diary because I wanted to chronicle for people uh, that you could live with this to demystify it, to reduce the anxiety levels. And I think that's what it's done for those that have yeah. seen it. Um, at the same time, it was risky because I didn't know where my, where I was going to go with this, right? If my health deteriorated to a significant level, I also didn't want to be chronicling, you know, I mean, it was, you know, worrisome to, to I didn't want to instill fear instead of calm. Right. Right. Because if, uh, you know, thank God you didn't, but if you had become really, really sick, it would have really panicked the people who were watching your video diaries. So it was a little risky, but um, thankfully uh, it worked out. And uh, I did my last entry a few days ago. I may do one today because I tested positive. I'm still positive and just sort of give people an update. Uh, and I do have sure. had some people that have, you know, messaged me like, hey, what's going on? How are you feeling? You know, why aren't you doing this? Anymore? Yeah. But yeah. I also didn't want it to be stale, you know, and just sort of repetitive every single day. I tried to make it informative about what also the city's doing uh, yeah. so that people could get some information as well. Which brings me to my next question. Like many of us, like myself, you're working from home. But how do you run a city of so many million people from home? You'd be surprised. It's actually uh, not as difficult as you think. Um, Tell me more. We're actually going to have our first uh, online council meeting uh, tomorrow at 8 p.m. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, The governor gave us a special dispensation to be able to have our council meetings online. So that'll be interesting. 
And uh, we're going to see if we're, we're able to get the public engaged uh, to talk about some of these topics. Uh, so, you know, that that's going to happen for the first time. But I mean, I, I, I because of the ubiquity of technology, um, you know, I'm able to Skype, FaceTime, uh, obviously phone calls with my team on a continuous basis. You know, the one thing I definitely uh, don't have a, as much a sense for as maybe others would is how things are going on in the street for obvious reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Under normal circumstances, I would mm-hmm. be uh, out there, you know what I mean? And sort of getting a better sense. But I, I get reports from people that say that, you know, by and large, people are listening to the stay-at-home orders and that the streets are fairly clear. You're known to be quite a high-touch mayor, so this must be a little bit difficult to do all this all this remotely. But I believe your community is getting quite creative. I read about a priest offering drive-through confessionals. Yes, so I put I posted that on my uh, on my Twitter account. So, uh, yes. there, there, you know, I think the 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 what's interesting is the faith-based community has really had yep. to evolve, and that's one example of a Catholic priest who was doing confessions you know, drive through confessions. And then he, he ended up having three priests that were set up in a sort of conveyor system where they were doing a uh, drive through confession. He's actually giving me FaceTime confessions. Oh, that's just brilliant. Uh, which is interesting. <laughs> but, but then we also have uh, other churches that are non-denominational that are wonderful churches in our city like Vu Church and others that are doing, um, you know, continually doing uh, either Instagram live chats or they're doing a daily Zoom uh, 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 chats and a variety of different, using a variety of different technological resources uh, to continue to connect. And in some ways, and I know that this sounds strange because obviously there are people that uh, unfortunately are going to pass away because of this virus. But every once in a while, I, I do get the sense that, and I'm a kind of a spiritual person, that God hits the pause button. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. He's kind of hitting the pause button on like, the just craziness of our life, you know, our lives are just always, always going, 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 going. And every once in a while something happens that the pause button gets hit and everybody just has to sort of reimagine their life in a different way. And I think you, this is, that's what's happening now. You know, you're, you're seeing every day, you know, these digital dates where people are, you know, having five or six or eight Zoom uh, chats uh, uh-huh. in lieu of going to coffee shops or, or going to a bar and having a drink. So, you know, people have to get creative at this time. Yeah, but a lot of people are saying to your point that, you know, it is time to pause. It's time to hit the reset button. It's time to slow down. And maybe we were all just accelerating too much. So when things do settle down, what do you think the new normal will look like? I think two things. One, the new normal will be much more virtual. You know, and I think the second thing is because there's still people that say or that think that maybe this is overblown or that maybe we're overreacting. But but to those people, what I would say is the following. Look, even in the worst case scenario, if we look back on and by the way, that's a circular argument because we're obviously taking very extreme measures. And if it works, then people are going to say you overreacted. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's kind of a circular argument. So, you know, we're doing all this so that this thing doesn't get out of control. And then if it doesn't get out of control, people are going to say that we overreacted. So it's a little circular. What I tell people is the following. I tell them in in Miami in particular, we are prepared for hurricanes. Uh, We in this country are now prepared for mass shootings. Right. Because we've seen Mm -hmm. so many of them. Terrorist attacks. We're very vigilant. What we have not really seen or been prepared for is a biological attack. Yes, because something like this is unprecedented. Unprecedented. And so I think at the very minimum, this is going to be a huge wake-up call for the world that look what a virus can do 
and bring the world to its knees, right? You know, stock market losing 30% of its value in a week. Um, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that are completely out of work and our economy grinding to a, to a halt. Uh, people not being able to leave their homes. I mean, and, and, and imagine if this were a contact virus or an aerosol virus that were even more potent than the, than, than the, than what we're talking about. So in a weird way, this is going to be, I think, a positive wake up call that we need to update our systems. We need to update our protocols. We need to understand how vulnerable we are uh, to this kind of an attack in the future. Um, that's what we do after every hurricane. We have hurricanes that are huge wind events. We update mm-hmm. our building codes. We've had hurricanes that are huge water events. We're updating our water infrastructure. And now we, this new phenomenon is going to require us to think differently about how we respond and how we behave. You obviously have a very strong work ethic. Where does that come from? What do you attribute that to? I attribute it to my parents. My parents are both immigrants. You know, my parents came from Cuba in the early 1960s. My dad was a ninth of 14 children. And he's the first Cuban-born mayor of Miami. First Cuban-born mayor of Miami, you know, came to this country with nothing. Both both my, my, my mother, both successful in Cuba. My grandfather was an academician. My other grandfather uh, uh, ran um, a sugar mill. So um, they were both uh, very uh, entrepreneurial, very intellectual, and very uh, faith-oriented. And those are really the principles that made this country great. And so, you know, you know, we came here with nothing. And in one generation, they were able to acquire political power. They were able to acquire uh, wealth and most importantly, you know, maintain our families together and create families. Uh, so uh, it's really the quintessential American story. And I think it's one that when we have this big debate about immigration, um, mm-hmm. we, we need to keep telling that story uh, of the fact that this is a country built on, on immigrants. This is a country founded by immigrants, built by immigrants, and that will be continue to be propelled by immigrants. And uh, if, if we if we lose sight of that story, we're losing a piece of ourselves. We're losing the essence of who we are. What was it like growing up in a political family, given your father has been mayor? What was that like? It was tough. Because politics yeah. is tough, you know, politics and, and imagine in today's day and age, it's even tougher because you have social media, you have the 24 hour news cycle. But back then it was tough. I mean, when and he was he was great. He did a great job. He was uh, revered. He, he was reelected three times. He decided to retire. He didn't you know, he wasn't defeated. Um, he was elected by all three ethnic groups uh, in 1989, uh, reelected his last reelection. So he was very successful. Uh, I was blessed. I got elected by 86 percent of of yeah. my residents when I first ran. So uh, we've been very fortunate, but but politics is tough. I mean, people are constantly questioning your motives. They're constantly criticizing you. There's a lot of shadow money interest in politics that are constantly trying to knock you down, trying to get you off your game, trying to diminish you. And 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 it's 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 really tough because you know at the end of the day you get into this to do good. You get into this to make your community better and stronger. And you realize that not everyone is acting in good faith. And I think that's, a, that's an unfortunate reality that you have to deal with in this world. Um, and, and, you know, you have to be strong enough to, uh, to understand that, to confront that, and to be able to get beyond it and, and build coalitions and get things done, which is not always easy. How do you stay focused? How do you stay centered? And how do you stay optimistic when things get really rough? I'm very blessed. I have a great support system. You know, I've been married for 12 years. Uh, I have two children. My 
parents uh, are, you know, been married for 40 years. Uh, I have uh, three siblings, all married, all with children, all, you know, it's a very supportive family. My in-laws, my wife and I are both the oldest of four. Um, all their siblings, I mean, two of them are married. One of them is 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 uh, seriously dating someone and their parents, her parents are still married. Um, so I have a very, very stable family um, surrounding. And I also, I'm a person of faith and I, and I think my faith is is something that I lean on in tough times. Um, and there are times when, when things get tough and you really need your faith to to pull you through and, and to give you purpose and to and to help you understand why it is that you do what you do and not to give up because there is always going to be the temptation to give up. Do you go to your father for advice since he's been in a similar position? I do. I do. And he, he's actually a county commissioner now. So he's a public policymaker still. And so we talk a lot. Um, you know, we do uh, give each other advice. We have totally different personalities. Um, he's a litigator. I'm a I'm a transactional lawyer, so he's more. Uh, I'm right, you're wrong. Uh, he's an engineer, you know. <laughs> and I'm a finance guy, and I'm a and I'm a uh, you know real estate lawyer, so I'm more like let's come together and and come up with a solution that everyone can be happy with. So it it it's not it's it, we're just different, and actually it's it's actually helpful because you know sometimes I need to be more like him, and sometimes he needs to be more like me, and uh, and so we're able to kind of influence each other and, and counterbalance each other a little bit. Uh, and I know you've got to go and my time is almost up. I just have one last question. What's your message to anyone who's listening to this podcast? Your message to anyone who is worried about the current situation anywhere in the world? My message is uh, not to panic, but to listen to the medical experts. The biggest threat right now is a massive influx of patients at our hospitals that would cause what would other, what otherwise be a manageable disease uh, to be one where the death rates uh, grow to levels that they should not be at. And that's what we're seeing happen in, in, in countries. If we are like other countries like South Korea, if we're able to sort of manage this and contain it, then this is something that we can get past. And there are lessons that we need to learn from this. But um, right now, the, the biggest issue is flattening the curve or reversing the curve and, uh-huh. uh, and, 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 and trying to get to a point where we can go back to normalcy as quickly as possible. Enjoy the pause button, because sometimes we need to do that too. Enjoy the pause button. That's right. Well, thank you very much for your time. And I wish you good health. And I hope the next time you take your test, you test negative. Thank you. I hope so too. All right. Rest up and thank you so much. That was the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, speaking to me from his home where he's self-isolating as he recovers from the coronavirus. We wish him a speedy recovery. I hope you took away something from that conversation. I know I did. And I hope you'll join me again for another episode of Out of Office next week. Remember, we're on Twitter. Our handle is simply at podcasts. We're also on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Malika Kapoor. You can find me at This Is Malika on Twitter. This episode was produced by Laura Carlson. We'll be back in a week. Thank you for listening and stay well. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. 
I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.